We believe in serving with gladness. God loves us. We, we, we know that. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. God not only loves us, but God also lives in us. He lives in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. But what we also find in Scripture is that God, at the moment that we trust him as Savior, welcomes us into his family. 1 John 3, 1 reminds us. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. At the moment of salvation, we're welcomed into his family and we're not only welcomed into his family, we are gifted by the Spirit to serve so that God provides purpose in our life. There is more to life than just raising a family, getting them out of the house, and hopefully retiring one day. There is more to life than that, and God shows us how we can have a life of purpose by allowing his spirit to work in us and bringing us to a place of service. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Psalm one hundred. We're going to talk, talk, talk this morning about serving the Lord, but really that the emphasis is serving the Lord with gladness. Serving the Lord with gladness. Psalm 100, a very familiar psalm. This is in the Christian Standard Bible. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever his faithfulness through all generations and with that let's pray together god thank you for uh, our time thank you for the worship lord jesus we proclaim that you are the only worthy one and that we serve because you're worthy and ultimately, we serve and love and worship because you first loved us. So God, take these next few moments and drive home the truth of who you are and the truth of uh, the scripture and uh, challenge us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. When the psalmist in Psalm 100 verse 2 tells us to serve the Lord with gladness, we don't know what kind of service he's talking about. Matter of fact, as we look at the psalm, he never talks about the kind of service that he is referencing. 
But we do know his disposition in service. That whatever he was doing, he says, man, we're to come with this shouting triumphantly to the Lord and serving him with gladness. That we are to come before him with praises. That we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The disposition of the psalmist is one that there is a sense of joy and gladness and thankfulness and praise as he goes about the area of worship. Now, all of us probably at children at some time, and those of us who have raised our kids beyond about age three have probably witnessed something like this before. Clean your room. I don't want to clean my room. Take out the trash. I don't want to take out the trash. All right, or maybe they don't verbalize it, they just don't want to do it. And so they go in their room and they shut the door and you hear things starting to bang and things are throwing or they're taking out the trash and it's boom, boom, boom down the driveway and they're making racket. They are serving out of a sense of duty. They're doing what they're, we were told to do, but it's more out of fear. It's out of fear. If I don't clean my room, then I'm going to get in trouble. And so I don't care if I just bang stuff up or open and slam the drawers. I'm just going to do it because that's what I was told to do. But I'm not happy about it on the inside. Any of you ever been there before? Any of you ever watched your kids there before? Yeah, so we've all been there. And probably at some time we've watched our children or some of you grandparents probably went in there and cleaned the room for them. You know, I, I, as, as we think about our serving the Lord, the psalmist reminds us that this is to be a delight. Serving the Lord with gladness means serving the Lord with joyfulness or with a sense of happiness, with a heart of, of recognizing the joy and the gladness and, and all that God has blessed us with. And so with that disposition, we are to serve the Lord with happiness and joy and gladness. Now, I recognize and have been in ministry long enough that I can tell you there are some days that have just been challenging and difficult. And in some days, you just have wanted to throw in the towel. And, and if you've ever served and you were criticized or this came up or there was an issue, you've probably had those moments. And I will tell you that ministry and serving always takes a little bit of grit. There's always some perseverance that comes alongside. We do not allow our emotions and our, our emotions and our bad attitude to rule whether we're going to serve the Lord or not. But the key is, is as we go about the avenue of serving the Lord, we are to do that with a right disposition. Serve the Lord with gladness. So this morning, as we think about Appreciation Sunday, there's really three thoughts uh, that we're going to look at, but there's, there's, there's three groups of folks out here. First off, I want to say thank you, and I appreciate you to those of you who are serving in some area of ministry. We'll, we'll recognize you at the end of, of the service in, here in the worship center. Thank you. For those of you who are serving, but somehow along the way, you have lost your joy in ministry. 
I, I want to challenge you today to come alongside and say, look, there really is joy in serving the Lord. And I want to renew that spark of life and joy and gladness in ministry today. And then some of you who may not really be serving in any areas of ministry, I want to challenge you and I want to call out people today to say, look, I realize and recognize that God saved me and brought me into his family and has uniquely gifted me. And now he's calling me to invest in something and some ones and that will last forever. There's only one real eternal impact that we can make, and that is towards serving or giving in the area of ministry. That's what eternity is, that's what really is going to matter in eternity. So that's where we're headed. Thank you. Serve with gladness. And some of you, come on. Put on your, your, your happy heart and join in the labor. So as we think about serving with gladness, I want to give you three reasons why we should serve the Lord with gladness. First off, we serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness because you are his. Because you are his. Notice what what he says as we look down. He says, serve the Lord with gladness and come before him with singing. And then in the, the King James or the New King James, it says, no. That the Lord, he is God. The CSB says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. We serve the Lord with gladness because the Lord is God. He is our God. Now think about this for a moment. And there's two words that, is, that are used here when we think about the Lord God. The Lord is our God. The word Lord is the picture of the God of the covenant who loves us and was faithful to, to Israel throughout the Old Testament. He is the Lord in relationship with us. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the struggles that you're facing today. He knows everything about you and guess what? He loves you anyway. Even though there are a lot of things in your life that you would be ashamed of and you wouldn't want anyone else around you to know about, the Lord is a God who loves us. He is personal, but he is also the word God is used. And that's the word Elohim. The Lord is God. He is Elohim. He is not only personal, the Lord Jehovah, but he is powerful. He is God. The word Elohim is the word that is used in Genesis 1 to talk about the God of creation. He is all-powerful. He is Elohim. He is majestic and sovereign over all. He is the one who sustains all things after creating them. So the writer says, man, be glad because God, the Lord, is our God. He is your God. He loves you and is personal, but he is awesome and powerful. And you have the opportunity to know him. You know, sometimes when people get more power, you have less access. You see this, this happens in life. When someone moves up and gains more power in, in a company or in government, they get more uh, authority, then what happens is they become less accessible. But here the picture is, the Lord is God. He is personal, always available, always accessible, but he is also all-powerful. The Lord is God. 
Then he goes on, it says, the Lord is God. And then it says, and it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. He is not only God, he is creator. He is creator. Now we slide back and look at the language of Genesis 1. And we think about how God, throughout all of his creation, has, has sculpted the things that are around us. But can I tell you today, he created you. Our God is powerful, but he's also personal. So then we look in Psalm 139, around verses 13 and following, and it talks about how God formed us together in our mother's womb. He embroidered us together. The picture is, is when it comes to making life, it takes a man and it takes a woman and it takes God. He is the one who is working. He has formed us. And then the psalmist says, David says, and I I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God is not only the creator that is out there and all powerful, he's the creator who made you. He is our God. He is our creator. Then it goes on to say, and says, and we are his people. We are his people. That's the picture that he is our redeemer. Now, in order to understand his people, we recognize that he is, the psalmist is primarily writing to a, a Jewish audience. This is the Jewish psalm, uh, psalms, of the songbook of the Jewish nation, but it goes even beyond that. As we look into the New New Testament in the book of Titus. There's a great verse, and I just want to read it to you because it really does give us the thought of, of what it means for the Lord to be our Redeemer. It says about Jesus, he gave himself for us in Titus 2.14. Jot that down in the margin if you're taking notes. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. What does he say here? He says that Jesus gave himself to redeem us so that we could be his people. Now, what does it mean to redeem? In the Greek word, the, the, the lutron that is used here, it gives the picture of purchasing someone off of a slave, or in a slave auction, off of the slave block. And then allowing them at that moment to experience, when you purchase them, experience freedom. And the, here the picture is, is that while we were enslaved to our sin, Jesus gave himself for us and now has freed us to live for him and to experience his righteousness, to be in his family, to be moved from a slave of the world, to become a servant of the Lord, to be moved from, from being separated from God, to being welcomed as a son into his family. And this is why we are called his people. Listen, everybody has been created by God. But not everyone has a relationship with God. In order to have a relationship with God, it really comes down to a relationship with Jesus. Jesus came to redeem us. So that as we think about the cross, we recognize that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And he rose again from the dead. And he offers us the free gift of salvation and eternal life. 
We're talking about working because we're his. But if you don't know that you know the Lord today and you're not his, it doesn't make any difference how hard, how long, how faithfully you serve. You will never by your works be able to enter into heaven. Never. The only way we get into heaven is through Jesus and his paying the price for us on the cross and us receiving the free gift of eternal life. And once we received his gift, he redeems us, welcomes us into his family and then gives us a purpose to go out and make a difference in the lives of others. He is our redeemer. We are his people. And then he gives one more picture And we are the sheep of his pasture. He is our shepherd. He's our shepherd. I I, I love this picture and it brings back so many thoughts of, of Psalm 23. As we think about this awesome picture, he is our shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. What does the shepherd do? Well, the shepherd is going to provide. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is going to guide. He he directs, he leads me, okay? Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me. He leads, he guides, he directs my life. And then he protects me. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The primary role of the shepherd was to, to provide, to guide and to protect. As parents, we we feel this when our children are small. We are providers. We are the one who's going to guide their life. And and we are the one who seeks to protect them. That's, that's That's our call. We are shepherding our children. Here the picture is, is the Lord guides, protects, he directs. He is the one who is God. As, as you think about that, just take a moment and scan back in your life a little way. Look at the times in your life where you experienced a, a time where you maybe veered off course and the shepherd called you back. Look at your life and think about a time when God worked in your life and he, he drew drew you to him, and then as you walked with him and guided your life through school and through work and how he has been faithful to you. Man, I am so thankful for how God has been a shepherd in my life. I I look back all the way and again realize, and I've shared this before, that my mom started going to church with a neighbor because my grandparents didn't go when she was a little girl. She can't even remember the name of the woman who used to bring her to church, but that woman was instrumental. And that was who the shepherd used to give her a heart that began to, to incline toward the things of the Lord. I think about as a, as a child coming to know Jesus as my Savior and not always being perfect, but the Lord guiding me through high school and through college and, and ultimately 
calling me into ministry and allowing me to serve in different areas and avenues of ministry and, and, and leading my path to, to meet my, to, to meet my wife and then blessing my life with our boys and then allowing some daughters-in-law to come in and, and of all the opportunities to have to serve in, in Arnold and in Memphis and in Mississippi and then in Georgia and then to be able to be back and to think, Lord, how good you you are, how kind you have been, how faithful you have shown yourself. Lord, I want to serve you with gladness because you've been such a good shepherd to me. And there were times that, that, that I got off course and man, the shepherd had to discipline me. And there were times that, that I began to wonder that the shepherd had to get my attention. And that's not always fun. But the picture is, is the shepherd ultimately leads us in a way for our good and and his glory, and to make a great impact upon eternity. So how has God moved in your life? How come you're sitting in a, in a church in October 2022, and you're not somewhere lying on the side of the road? Why is it? Because you've had a shepherd that has guided your life. Be thankful. We serve him out of gladness. Lord, you have been a good shepherd. We serve him. Serve him because you're his. But not only do we, do, do you serve the Lord with gladness because you are his, but, but secondly, as we think of this passage, you, you serve the Lord with, with gladness because you are grateful. Notice the, the grateful themes. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. There's a, there's a heart of thanksgiving that comes and says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I heard about uh, the young man who was supposed to pick up a visiting preacher at the airport. The only problem was is he didn't know what he looked like. And so he went up to... Uh, a rather solemn, astute-looking man after they got off the plane and they were coming. Uh, he was meeting at the, the luggage area and said, uh, Sir, are, are you a, a minister? And the man was taken aback. He said, What? Me? A, a minister? Man, no, no, I, I just, I just look like this because man, I've been motion sick and, and we've hit turbulence and, and man, this plane ride was terrible. That the picture is, is, is we're to serve the Lord with this sense of, of gladness and this sense of gratefulness. Gratefulness is the, the, the fuel for gladness. When I'm grateful, even when life is hard, and even when I don't have everything I want, when, when I am grateful, God shows that, uh, that, that he just is moving and ministering in so many ways. Because you're grateful. Sometimes we look at what everybody else has, and we think, God, why not me? But we don't look at the people who are way worse off than us, and say, God, why not me? We serve the Lord out of gratefulness. Why? We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, and we give thanks, we bless his uh, holy name, we give praise to him and bless his holy name. Why? Because the Lord's good. We give 
thanks and we are grateful to him because of his goodness. The Lord is good. I, there are some people that always think, you know, man, I'm, I have to walk the spiritual life like this tightrope because if I misstep just a little bit, God is in heaven and he's ready to whack me. What a, what a wrong picture that is. Do you know this passage tells us that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Nahum 1, 7 says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in our time of trouble. In Psalm 119, verse 68, one of my favorite verses, it says this, for the Lord is good and does good. The Lord is good and he does good. And even the bad things that have happened in your life, even the difficulties and the challenges that you have faced in your life, we have the rest in the goodness of God in knowing, Romans eight twenty eight, knowing that all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I, there are times of, of indescribable pain that you may experience in your life. There are times of deep hurt that you may go through that you think, how could this, how could anyone ever manage this? And yet the Lord somehow in some ways continues to show his goodness through it. The Lord is good. But not only do you see the goodness of the Lord, but we also notice in this passage, we see the loving kindness of the Lord. It says the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. The word faithful love is from a Hebrew word. It's the word hesed, hesed. And you gotta have a little guttural with that word, hesed. It means loving kindness or tender mercy. Do you know what it really means to us who understand and know the New Testament? The word really means grace. God just showing us love and kindness and tender mercies even when we don't deserve it. He says, man, look, Our God is good and his loving kindness, his faithful love will never fail in your life. Life may change drastically. There will be people who will be in your life for a while and and will love you deeply. And then through uh, circumstances of life, circumstances of death, circumstances of difficulty or tragedy, they may be removed. But this is the common foundation that we have. God's loving kindness never changes. Never. Our love for someone else, it might have its moments when, when someone doesn't look as loving and as lovable and as lovely as they normally do. Our love over here can think, oh man, I don't really like that. And our love and our attitude and our actions toward that person could change. And yet we find God's love for our life never changes his loving kindness and then we see also his faithfulness his faithfulness endures to all generations i i i love this thought and some people presume that maybe moses wrote this this psalm but over in psalm 90 as we think about the generations of god's faithfulness he says in psalm 90 verse 1 lord you've been a refuge uh to every generation Every generation, what a great picture of the Lord's faithfulness in 
in life. Lord, you've been a refuge in every generation. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, it says. The, 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 the picture here is, is that God's faithfulness is to every generation and never fails. It, it has never, it, God has never failed in the past. His faithfulness is A+. Plus. Now, it may not be A plus at every moment in our life that, we, that we're experiencing that because we think, God, you should have done that yesterday or God, that should have been taken care of last week. And yet God always shows up on time and his faithfulness is beyond what we as, as human graders could even understand or comprehend. But let's think about the faithfulness of God and as the psalmist wrote this just for a moment. I want you to think about you being in charge of leading one to two million people. You're the leader of one to two million people, greater St. Louis area. And every night, every person is going to camp out and, and, and you're their leader. But here's the deal. Every night, every person is going to go to bed without any food in their tent. Matter of fact, there's not only going to be that no one has food in their tent, but there is no food in the whole camp. Now, you're the leader. You're, you're the one in charge. You're the one led these people out. And every night for nearly 40 years, they go to bed without any bread in their tent, and without any bread in their camp. And Moses writes, God, you have been faithful in every generation for 40 years. Just having enough bread for that day, your daily manna, as Moses led one to two million Jewish people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt, and as he leads them, no food in the tent personally, but no food in the camp universally. No water. How do you find enough water for one to two million people? And yet God was absolutely faithful. Some of you have gone through times of challenge in your life. I have shared before, I have an utter disdain for ramen noodles. When we were in seminary, ramen noodles were 10 for a dollar. Sometimes if you caught them on sale, you might be able to catch 15 for a dollar. And we bought a lot of them. And I used to eat them and now I think, oh, Lord Jesus, don't ever let me have to eat ramen noodles again. Actually, about five or six years ago, I told this story. Someone bought me uh, a bunch of ramen noodles, and I actually did try it. And then I gave the rest of them away. So whoever did that, they were donated to someone uh, who enjoyed them, I'm sure. But uh, I did try them. They, they weren't quite as bad as I remembered, but that's just because I hadn't had them in so long. But, uh, you know, God's faithful. David would say in Psalm 37, 25, I once was young, but now I'm old, 
And I have never seen the righteous forsaken, neither their descendants begging for bread. What a word of God's faithfulness. Serve the Lord with gladness because you're, you belong to him. You're God's. He's our God because you are grateful. But third, serve the Lord with gladness because, because he called you to serve. Because he's called you to serve. As we think of this picture, he's called us to serve. Did, did you realize something in verse number two? Serve the Lord with gladness. That command remains still today. The command of the Lord remains still today. Matter of fact, it's repeated in the New Testament on several different occasions. I'll just give you a couple. As we think about this call to, to continue to serve the Lord with gladness, the call to serve still remains In Romans chapter 12, verse number 11, it tells us to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10 says, and as each of you have received a gift, let him serve others. The picture is, is as we look at Psalm 100, where it says to serve the Lord with gladness, serving remains as the command of God in our life today. We're not to stop serving. Instead, we're to be serving because we know him. But then serving not only remains, but if you have your Bible, slide over to to, to Matthew 20 just for a moment. I want to draw a couple thoughts out of Matthew 20. In Matthew 20, James and John's mother comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, I got this great idea. Why don't you let one of my boys sit on your right hand and one of your boys sit on my left hand so that that my homies here, my boys will be right there in the kingdom, right alongside of you. And Jesus kind of looks and says, do you think that they're able to drink this cup? And they're like, yeah, Lord, we're going to do it. We'll follow you. We'll do whatever it takes. And then in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus says this, Notice with me in verse number 26. He says, it must not be like that among you, trying to to raise your, your life and your level of trying to become popular. He says, on the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Serving stands as the key to greatness. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. If you want to be great then you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. So Jesus says, look, greatness is not measured on on how many people you can command, but it's how many people you can serve. He turns this whole thing upside down. Greatness comes through service. And then notice in Matthew 20, 26, Jesus says this. Just, or verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Serving follows the example of Jesus. This same verse is repeated in Mark 10, 45, where Jesus says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for all. Serve the Lord with gladness because that's how you become great. Do you want to be great? Do you want to be a great person in the kingdom? My seminary professor used to say this, there are no great men of God. There are only men of the great God. I like that. 
There are no great people, no great men or women of God. There are only men and women of the great God. And we have a great God. And he calls us to serve. And actually, when he stepped into humanity in the person of Jesus, he served. Service makes a difference. Follow the example of Jesus. But then, service also, serving makes an impact on the lives of others. Serving makes an impact on the lives of others. Can I tell you, and just, I, I just want to be as clear and, and, and plain as possible. If God didn't have something to, for you to do, he could just take you to heaven today. If God didn't have anything for you to do, if all your life's work was done, why wouldn't he just take you to heaven? Lord, there's no more pain, there's no more difficulty, there's no more sorrow, there's no more tears, there's no more crying. Lord, why? Why am I here? I will tell you why you're here. You're here to serve. If you know Jesus, you're called to serve. So I want to challenge you today. For those of you who know him, he's saying, look, Great, keep up the good work. For those of you who are serving, but you're serving out of drudgery, he's saying, look, serve the Lord with gladness. And then for those of you who really just need a, a, a fresh encouragement today to get in the game, he's inviting you and says, look, the only way you're gonna make an eternal difference in the lives of others is through serving. Today, we've talked mainly to believers about service, but if you don't know that you know Jesus today, I want to I tell you today that this is life's most important decision, what you do with Jesus. And just as we looked at that picture of the Lord as redeemer, we are his people, Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross so that we could experience forgiveness and eternal life. That's the only way that we can get it. And if you don't know that you know Jesus today, that's life's most important decision. But I will say now, for those of you who do know Jesus, there is an important decision for you too. Are you gonna be in the game to make an impact for eternity? With that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and the truth in it. Thank you for the privilege it is to be yours. And Lord, help us to be people who serve with gladness. Lord, may our life be grounded in your goodness. May our heart be overflowing with gratefulness and gladness. And Lord, may we roll up our sleeves and serve like Jesus. Lord, we pause to remember all those who've served in our life and made an impact. And Lord, would you give us a legacy to make an impact on the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen.